Mufasa, hmm? you know we finally here, right? Well, we... It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. It's live again, it's live again, it's live again, it's live again, it's live again. Welcome to the report, readers, listeners, viewers, and another edition of Victory. Friday. Report podcast energized by Celsius Friday. Yeah, you heard that right. We are live on a Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Right. Like people said, oh, you probably won't do the pod on Friday. No, we're doing it. John Ledger, Matt Matera here with you of PeterReport.com to make sure we dive all the way into this Bucks victory over the Eagles. Weird football game on Thursday night, as they all are, as you so astutely wrote this past week, Matt. Don't expect anything that you typically expect on a Thursday night football game. And it's a good thing we listened to you. Because- hey, I was uh, I was two points. I predicted the Bucs were going to win 28-24. They won 28-22. So I was uh, not to, you know, hype myself up. But I was pretty close to getting the exact score. Well, I think at this point, so here's my, again, talking about hyping yourself up. You're undefeated this season picking Bucks games, right? Is that correct? I'm sorry? Are you undefeated picking Bucks games this year? Not no. in terms of the line. I'm saying in terms of who's going to win for like Peter predictions. No, I uh, I got the LA Rams. game wrong. Okay, all right, the Rams game wrong. I'm six and zero still this year. Remember last year I was very nice, and yeah. two. So I'm. I know that people think that's good, and it is. But I'm starting to feel like insane pressure each week to pick the game. Right. Yeah, and I'm like literally getting like. Before the Eagles game, like, what if I pick this? Like, you know, like, I want you want to keep that record. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially at six and oh, you want to, you know, 72 Dolphins thing, man. You want to, yeah, you are, you are on pace with that. You, you got a lot of streaks going, whether it's, uh, DiMaggio 56 hits, The Undertaker going 21 and 0 at WrestleMania. <laughs> you're you're up there with some of the streaks right now, man. Hey, if I could pick every game right this regular season, it's the kind of regular season that might lend itself to it a little bit because of yeah. the slate that they play. Um, I'll be happy, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Celsius, as all, all of our uh, podcasts are. Celsius, uh, they, they are out here changing the game with their wonderful, beautiful energy. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential, functional energy. You can see all the flavors that they've got there. There's the kiwi guava, the Fuji apple pear, the wild berry, the tropical vibe. What's amazing about Celsius's energy drinks is that they taste unbelievable. They also aren't bad for you, and there's no crash afterward. It's like they devise the energy drink cheat code, and it tastes unbelievable as well. As you're Matt, crack his open. Yep, crack mine down. open right now. I was down in one last night, uh, the peach vibe, and uh, gave it powered me enough to be able to prove Matt's story almost to the end. On the last sentence, I passed out on my couch <laughs> last night. I fell asleep on my couch too, so uh, no, no shame in that. There you go, there you go. That was that kind of a night <laughs> last night after the late game. But Celsius, great stuff, and guess what? You can find them if you go to Celsius.com. You can uh, find them there. You can use the store locator to figure out what stores they're at near you. You can also go to Amazon and do the subscribe and save option uh, and uh, get yourself a percentage off, get those puppies delivered to you on a regular basis. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the best protein bar in existence, the fast protein bars by Celsius, the white chocolate cookies and cream, and the caramel peanut crunch. These things are amazing. If you click the link 
in the YouTube description for this show, you'll be able to order yourself a variety pack of these two wonderful, the best tasting protein bars, silky smooth layers. They just, they're, they replace sweets for me. They honestly do. I mean, both my wife and I, we're thrilled about their addition uh, to our diet. So check those out as well. Okay, Matt, we got, uh, let's, let's break this one down a little bit because yes, sir. we want to make sure that we get into the nitty gritty of this game as we always do. We don't want to get to the weekend and not have covered some topics that I know people are looking to see covered. One thing that we'll do on this show is we will take some of your questions as you have them. Um, so I know some people ask them before that I get to this point in the show. So if you have questions and you asked them earlier, maybe bump them down in the chat and ask them again, then I'll try to get to them from, from last night's game. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to touch on, Matt. Um, I want to sure. touch on the Jason Pierre Paul stuff, whether he, yes. he, he is playing, a lot of snaps. He he actually played more snaps than Shaq Barrett in this in this game the other day. And people are clamoring for Joe Tryon Chuinka. And we actually heard from Bruce Arians on this today. Um, we uh, JC Allen asked him uh, straight up about it. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the the comments. Yeah, he's talking about a uh, long term resume. What was brought up about JPP? Yeah, yeah. He said. Uh, Basically, in asking why Joe Tronchwink isn't playing more snaps, uh, Bruce said he's playing plenty. He had 20 plenty. snaps. Yeah. JPP has got a bigger resume and a better one. Joe just keeps growing as a player. He played well last night. He had 20 opportunities. And uh, then he was asked again if if Tronchwink would give the Bucks more of an advantage athletically than Pierre Paul. Not really. Jason's pretty strong. Understand what that has to do with that. He said he does more things than the, just the pass rush. He said, and correct? there's a lot more than just rushing the pass. Yeah, and said so. Uh, yeah, I mean, true. And and you know, one of those <laughs> things is run defense. And Jason Pierre Paul wasn't any good at that last night either. I, I don't. I'm not like out on Jason Pierre Paul, Matt, but I just struggle to see where he is bringing value to the field in ways that Joe Tryon Chuinka was not before the season. I said, here's the deal: Joe Tryon Chuinka just needs to be in a lot because pass rush is important. But Jason Pierre-Paul is clearly the better all-around player still at this point in time. That might be true if Pierre-Paul were himself or were healthy. I don't know, but he's not playing like it this season, and he's certainly not played like it the last two weeks, and it's had a real negative effect on the defense. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that JPP, I, he definitely came back a little too early, but that's just the nature of, of who he is as a player. He's extremely determined. I don't want to say that he lost a step, but – Compared to Shaq Barrett and JTS, he's the slowest out of the three. And I think you can get away with that. But specifically for this matchup, when you're playing against Jalen Hurts, and not to look too far down the road, but next week when they're playing the Bears against Justin Fields, and you're mm -hmm. dealing with another mobile quarterback, you need the guys that are going to be chasing after the quarterback there. And that's just not going to be JPP, especially when the best part of his game in this current iteration of JPP is that he's a smart player, the experience, he knows how to do a lot of stuff. But we saw him do things in last night's game that were not smart plays, crashing to the inside, opening the gate for Jalen Hurts to scramble to the outside. And also, playing with the club on his hand, sure, there's nothing you could do, you break your finger playing with the club on your hand. But you can't tell me that that doesn't, hurt the team it, yeah. it has to especially and the Bucks didn't do this too much in last night's game but Todd Bowles this season in particular is has loved dropping his outside linebackers back in coverage you don't want to do that with a guy that has one hand available to to make an interception I wouldn't doubt if he could make a one-handed grab <laughs> but overall you, you just look at what JTS has done in a short period of time 
And I believe you mentioned this, or you or Scott mentioned this somewhere. It's not like Joe Tryanchenko doesn't have starting experience because he started right. in those two games when JPP is out. So it's not like you're throwing a guy in there and you just don't really know what to expect because he's he's building up his own small little resume here to start his rookie career. And um, Scott said yeah. it in his two-point conversion. He said that there's no way that JPP should be playing 79%, 80% of the snaps, whatever it was. It should mm -hmm. be a, a 55-45 split with JTS, and obviously Shaq does his thing on the other side. I couldn't agree with that more at, at this yeah. point in this current player of JPP that we're getting. Right, right. Uh, I am... I'm just I'm still stuck on the he played more snaps than Shaq Barrett. Yeah, I know. Like, Crazy. I'm not like what how? Like I just don't get that one. Like that's I yeah. I I there's a couple things that Arian said that I just kind of disagreed with fundamentally in terms of what he was actually saying. I don't even I'm not even necessarily he's he's entitled to his opinion if he believes Jason Pierpaul is better for their team out on the field that you know he's close to the situation okay, but his reasoning didn't make any sense to me. JPP has a bigger resume. Well, what difference does that make? There's, you know, tons of retired dudes that have better, better yeah. resumes. Like, <laughs> Dominican Sue is a better resume than Vita Vea, but in the uh, a gotta have it situation, which one of those guys do you want rushing the passer? <laughs> you want Vita Vea rushing the passer. So I, that didn't make any sense as a reason to me. And I know he's getting these questions and just talking off the top of his head. He doesn't care about making sense necessarily, but that stood out to me. Like, have we really thought this through or are we just going with the veteran and not really thinking about it and, and looking at it from, a perspective of like, man, we really might need to like make a change here. That's hard. That I admit is hard. Like playing Jason Pierre-Paul less. I don't know how he personally is going to you know, take it as a guy who loves to play and loves to play a lot. Uh, but beyond that, it's just difficult. He's a leader. He's a veteran. He's a guy everybody likes. And so I'm not saying these things are easy. There's layers to these things. I know just from coaching high school for a couple of years, like there's layers to these things. I can't even imagine at the NFL level with adults and the resumes that these guys have, you know, the humble, humbling experience it might be to see yeah. as some a diminished snap count. So I get that it's hard, but then later, you know, he was asked about the athletic advantages of having Joe try and shrink, and he said there's not really a difference because Jason Pierre Paul's pretty strong. I don't even know how that relates. <laughs> So what it was asked, we posted but, the picture multiple times of Joe trying Trianka working out. That guy looks pretty yeah. strong. Well, yeah, and I just don't like. He's asked about the athleticism difference. I mean, being strong doesn't mean you're athletic. So I, you know, it was just kind right. of a, a unique answer to me. I didn't really understand it. I mean, there, you know, he's trying to probably save some face for JPP and not, you know, say something negative there. But there, I mean, there's no question Joe trying Trianka is an athletic upgrade. I don't think anybody would really argue that. Um, I, I think that what you're seeing here is a the coaches are unwilling to move off of JPP at this point in time. Um, and we'll see. I mean, he gets a 10 day break here. Maybe he gets closer to being hundred yeah. percent. But to me, when you're talking about a team that is trying to get away from blitzing so much, so they don't leave their cornerbacks in tough situations and they need that four man passers and they're being passed against at a rate higher than every other team in the league by far pass rushers, one-on-one -on -one pass rushers who can win up front in a four man rush. The value just goes way up for those guys. And I'll give bulls credit for this. He's playing more edge defenders now. He's getting packages where Nelson, JPP, and Shaq, and trying some of those three of those guys are out there together at times. Defensive tackle snap counts were at a, a low in this past game. So he's getting those guys out there a lot, uh, but I'd like to see him as four-man rushes, and I'd like to see Joe Trinchenko playing more than 19 snaps. Bruce also rounded it up to 20. He, didn't, he played 19, I think is what. But anyway, uh, he's. I, I think that would that would be helpful for this team moving forward. Do they need to do it against Chicago to win? I don't know. We'll probably, see, probably not. <laughs> they, but they they, they better do. They definitely do need it at some point because currently, especially over 
I guess you could say the last two weeks, the pass rush has been Shaq Barrett and mostly just Shaq Barrett. B of A gets a great push up front, and and Sue I believe has been steady. But ultimately, the Bucks are going to rely on their outside linebackers to get those sack productions, unless they're unless they you know concoct a a blitz mm-hmm. a scheme where whether it's Devin White or but you know what I mean with, with the with if if they're going to go with the four man pass rush, which they certainly need to with all the injuries, and we'll, we'll get into the injuries as well. Um, you need more than just Shaq because then they're going to start double teaming Shaq. They're going to chip him and everything like that. So someone else needs to pick it up. And as great as Vita Vey has been, uh, and I think you saw it with the with the game against Hurts, a lot of the interior defensive line, in terms of passing plays, they did. Sure, Jalen Hurts had his moments where he was scrambling and got out and, and made some plays. But I thought there were times as well, too, where it seemed like their focus was just keep him in the pocket and force him to throw it because he's pretty inaccurate. And I think everyone saw that last night. But when you're doing that, again, it comes down to the outside linebackers to to finish the job there. And outside of Shaq, the Bucs didn't really have too much of that. Yeah, that's that was the problem is people couldn't get off blocks even to contain. And that was an issue. And I think it's been an issue for Jason Pierre-Paul since his issue with his with his hand has come up. So um, I think that's something that the Bucs are just going to have to keep looking at. Uh, no question about it. In my mind, it, it, Joe Trinchenko playing more snaps is going to help that defense um and uh william a uh, good uh, appreciate the five dollar super chat is tom brady the best quarterback in the league this was tom brady's lowest graded performance from pro football focus i think because you couldn't get enough what we call plus two plays out of it you know they grade each play this was just such an underneath right they called 11 screens he, he completed all 11 <laughs> they, they were 11 very they're very screen heavy and it was mainly just Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, and OJ Howard that were getting all these screens. I think Gio Bernard m- might have had one as well, but yeah, it's crazy. So many screens and all just to the same people. Right. And then you go down the field. I think he had two pass attempts to 20 yards or more. Both of them were incomplete. One was intercepted, obviously. And then the other one was not, was not close either. And th- it was just, I'm glad that it was only two, to be honest, because there, it just wasn't there. And Bruce Aaron said it really well today. I thought it's just what they were playing. They were playing very, very soft zone. And by the way, they've done this right. in every game this season. We told people going in, if you listen to the Peter pregame show, we said that over and over again, it's probably not going to be a big play game, probably going to have to live underneath. And, and and that's what they did. Their first three touchdown drives and the fourth. I mean, that's all every drive was. They So when they scored, all four drives they scored on, they did this perfectly. Um, so they were they understood the, the, the assignment, essentially, and they were executing at that level. So he said, keep everything in front of us. That's how the Eagles were playing. The few times we tried to hit home runs, they weren't very good plays. So it's just keep taking what they're giving you. And Tom does a great job of that it was not a game designed for a quarterback to star pass to pass like Miami's yeah. was, you know what I mean? Like it was not set up that way. If he had tried to be that type of hero, it would have gotten them in trouble more often than not. And one of the great things about Brady, in my opinion, is that he will not force that uh, for any, he will take what's he's supposed to on a play. Even if it doesn't mean after the game, everybody's going to be freaking out about how good he is on Twitter or in the media or in the newspaper, whatever he still reads. I don't know. He's old. So maybe newspaper <laughs> applies for him, but he doesn't care about that kind of stuff. He literally just cares about executing what he's supposed to on a given play. He doesn't get greedy. He doesn't get overly ambitious or anything like that. And I think that is an underrated part of being a really good quarterback in this league. So William asked that, uh, you know, you, you you could take this season as a sample size, six season, six weeks of this season. Yeah, he's absolutely in that conversation. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm still question. taking moving forward. I'm still taking Pat Mahomes or <laughs> you know, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he's got a few more. I don't know. Rodgers is up there, too. 
Well, if Brady plays another 10 years, then I think that opens up the discussion <laughs> because they'll, you know, they're all, they'll all still be here. Mahomes retiring and Brady's still going. That would be unbelievable. It will be something but crazy like that. Possible, but possible. He'll outlast somebody like, I mean, he's got, he's got to outlast Ben Roethlisberger, clearly, because nobody's yeah. going to want him after this year. And he'll outlast somebody like maybe even an Aaron Rodgers. We'll see. I don't know. My Rodgers is still looking. Looking pretty good. Uh, Big MGM yeah. says, uh, any word on how long Sherm is out? Uh, Ian Rappaport said today he was getting an MRI, and Bruce Aarons told us he hadn't gotten the MRI yet, um, but he is uh, – Sherman he's... tweeted, but, well, he was very active on Twitter today as, uh, yeah. you know, he took someone to the cleaners uh, <laughs> on Twitter. You can't – I guess you can't take too much from what he said about, like, oh, I'll be back soon or something like that because you never really know until you actually got the mri yeah. but Rappaport at least richard said, sherman was optimistic right Rappaport said that he would likely miss a couple weeks that's what he said this morning so i would say probably unlikely for the bears game in week seven um Arians was trying to update on some other injuries but didn't have as much information seems like winfield's going to be good to go i really thought he'd say gronkowski would be good to go but he didn't want to go there and i asked him straight up if Gronkowski's injury recovery has been like a little bit slower than they thought it would be. And he basically was like, not really. It's been about what we thought. We just didn't feel like we really needed the roster spot. And so we didn't feel any reason to put him on injured reserve because of that. So, you know, little little kick on the little kick on the pants for Khalil Davis on the yeah. way out the door. Hey, he's, 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 on the Colts. he's on the Colts now. He, he, that's right. He's know, moved so another team he, wanted him. He won't even see what Aaron said. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so that's where kind of they're and Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy bunting. It sounds like, he said, not till after the bye. Yeah. That's At the end, what did he say? In three to four weeks, I think we'll get some of these guys back. I'm assuming he's not talking about Gronk and Winfield there. I'm assuming he's talking about Murphy Bunting or Carlton Davis. Right. So, I so I viewed it as short term. Gronk and Levante David are the and now Richard Sherman are the guys that you're hoping and at least expecting to come back over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Carlton and Sean Murphy Bunting way down the road this season. Yeah. yeah. And there would be maybe a chance for Sherman to play in the Saints game, but. If I'm guessing right now, I'm, I'm guessing based off everything that's been said and everything that we hear, you know, I think I think you'll see Gronkowski and Winfield play. I don't know about Levante David. I really just have no read on him for week seven. I think he'll play against the Saints, though, in week eight. I think you'll see the bye week happen and then maybe Carlton Davis and still maybe another week for Sean Murphy Bunting, if I'm guessing. The, he he led with saying Sean Murphy Bunting you know, will, is still ways off, and then he's like, we still don't know for sure about Carlton. Yeah. So I think Carlton beats Sean Murphy Bunting back. I actually don't think we'll see Gronk until the New Orleans game. Okay. It's, just a, it's just a feeling I have. Rib injuries seem like they suck, especially the one that Gronk had. Mm-hmm. And you know what? With the, with the production that O.J. Howard had for this game, I think the Bucks can get away with not having Gronk for another game. The it's biggest, just a feeling. I don't really have yeah. too much to back it up. It's just the biggest area that they'll miss Gronkowski is in pass protection. OJ Howard is just yeah. terrible in pass protection. And they have OJ, they have Robert Quinn, they have Khalil Mack, they have a deep interior defensive line. Akeem Hicks is there. They just have a lot of really good players up front. They're one of those teams, kind of like the Eagles, but better than the Eagles on the edges, obviously, with with Mack and no, with Robert Quinn the year he's having is unbelievable. And so yeah, they're going to be the best four-man rush the Bucs have faced so far this season. Everything else, yeah, I think I like the Bucs for a lot of the other aspects of the game. But it's going to be it is- it's going to be really fun watching this weekend the Bears and the Packers. Let's mm-hmm. see how the Bears look after a couple weeks with Fields playing against a, a very good opponent with the Packers, and then having to play the Bucs after that. That's a that's a tough two game stretch for them right there. It, but it is. We'll see how their defense looks against a you know Packers offense that 
obviously is uh, is up there with some of the better offenses in the league. You know, right. every, every Bucks fan should be watching the tape this week uh, before the Bears game. Yeah, and we'll see, too, how who plays for the Packers' offensive line. I know they've had a lot of backups right. in this season and hasn't slowed them down too much, but um, um, yeah. Uh, Adolfo says, someone tell Jamel Dean what our DBs coaches used to tell us to make a play on the ball. Can't make a play on the ball if you don't turn and look for the ball. Yeah, I, you know, Bruce kind of laid it out. He was funny. He said the ball was so poorly thrown on the pass interference that <laughs> it was a hard, it made it harder for the DB. And I think he's right about that. You'd still like to see just better awareness and like more timely kind of processing from Dean. And then he goes and makes a great play on the ball. The I was going to say, so it was almost like looking at an EKG thing where, uh, you know, he had the pass interference. He didn't have his head around, so it was down. <laughs> then he right. made the interception and it was up. And then they didn't call it, but it was the we talked about this last night on the podcast. The when Quez Watkins caught it in the end zone, and Dean wasn't even looking at him, but it looked like it was pass interference. They didn't call it. Then the EKG is back down. It was it kept moving up and down for the whole game, uh, and I think that's just kind of that's the case with that's Jamel Dean. You're gonna yeah. get some good. You're gonna get some. Oh, well, it's funny you shaking had, your head. You have four pass breakups and an interception, and he was over. I think it, people were over four targeting him. But he had a 45-yard penalty, gave up a two-point conversion, and he definitely committed DPI on at least two of his passes. I, <laughs> I did think it was it was a bit weird. They tried to keep targeting against Dean. Meanwhile, Sherman left the game. First of all, it's crazy. The Bucs couldn't even get through like one series in the first quarter before right. another guy left the game with injury. But you would think when Sherman went out that they would automatically start targeting D. Delaney and and guys over there, but they didn't. They they kept going after Jamel Dean, and sure, they had a little success with it, but I just thought that was a kind of an odd thing to do. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is with D. Delaney because I got to watch the tape to see because he only got targeted four times, gave up two catches, 30 yards, but Pro Football Focus has him as the lowest graded player in the entire game for the Bucks. so offense or defense. So I, I got to look and see, like, was he – you know, they was he leaving guys open and screwing up and they right. just didn't target him at all. Is that what PFF seeing? I, I don't know. So, you know, I like the grades just because they tell me, oh, go back and look for this. And if I don't see it, I don't see it, what they're seeing. But if I do, then I'm like, oh, OK, good. I got I got a good lead to to know what to watch. And so, uh, yeah, I, I thought he looked fine as well. Um, I thought that was a good game for Delaney. This was interesting, though. After the game, Bruce Arian or after or today, I should say an hour or so ago. Um, at, he was kind of non-committal on Dean being the starter for next week. I don't think it's because of how Dean, or sorry, D Delaney. Yeah, I was going to say. Next week. Yeah, I think Dean's Be, well, the Dean's pretty good. Yeah, number one corner. I, I think uh, with D Delaney, he is not uh, committing to him being the starter, and I don't think it's because of how Delaney played in his mind, though. I think in an ordinary week, this would have been Pierre Desir starting, in my opinion, based on yeah. you know, Desir went in the last game when Dean was and Davis were both down. He was the guy in ahead of Delaney uh, in week uh, five against or four against the Patriots. Um, and so I think moving forward, you might see Pierre Desir back in there. They wanted Pierre Desir available in this game in case they needed to go to a dime or a defense if the Eagles were spreading the field trying to throw the football a lot like that. They wanted him available for that role. And late in the game, they used him because Kevin Minter was playing. And so yeah. this weird, but Levante David's status might impact whether Pierre Desir starts at outside corner or plays this, you know, he played those six snaps the other day. And so the way they see it is they don't want to risk 
losing the whole package if he got hurt in ba- in, in in nickel or in base defense. So they're just not going to play him. Either they're going to play a corner they probably think is below him on the depth chart because they don't want to risk him getting hurt because if he gets hurt, they lose the whole package. And then Kevin Minner would have to play 100% of snaps. They wanted to leave the door open to keep Minner off the field, which I thought actually was a good idea. I, I don't know if I would have been quite as careful as they were and, and not played a corner you think is better. But at that point, Desir Delaney, it's probably not a huge, massive difference. Um, and so, yeah, I think Desir could start moving forward if Levante David's back because then they're going to be like, oh, we don't need the dime package. Because David and White, they're never coming off the field, so right. we're just going to play uh, Desir at the outside corner spot. But it's we might, I mean, it might be Desir, Dean, and Cockrell at corner with Delaney as the top backup. And Desir wasn't even on this team a couple weeks ago. Dean was a backup who we were wondering if he was even good after Week One. And uh, you know, Cockrell's been a break glass in case of emergency type of guy, and we didn't even know D Delaney was two months ago. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting group, and Chicago obviously is not really this great arsenal passing attack. We'll see how Justin Fields develops, but uh, there's going to be a more bigger test down the road if they can't get healthier than they are now. Yeah, and but the, the other thing is, what are you going to do? You can't get another yeah. guy off the street because they did that with Richard Sherman. Right. And obviously the Gilmore thing didn't work out and um, his name is slipping my mind, but that other corner just got traded from the Seahawks uh, flowers, I believe Trey flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Trey that. flowers. Right. I couldn't remember. Anyway. Um, so, you know, you're not going to find another player around the league right now, most likely that you can go, Oh, Hey, this guy's going to come in and instantly turn things around. So it's definitely going to be on the coaching staff and, Arians was very complimentary for um, Kevin Ross and um, Todd Bowles as well, too, for getting these guys ready to play. That, again, it goes into the whole, this is why things are weird on a short week where you're essentially your number one backup in this current team with the Bucks is this year, but we're, we're just not going to play him because we need him for another situation. Um, I'm actually not as... I guess maybe part of it is because of the the caliber of opponents that the Bucs are playing over the next two weeks before the bye with the Bears and the Saints. I just look at the defense right now, and obviously, sure, the secondary is concerned, which is all the injuries alone, let alone the quality of play that they're getting from the secondary. But you're getting Antoine Winfield Jr. back. And with how good the Bucs offense is, if all the Bucs have to do, in my opinion, each week, and it's easier said than done, but if you limit teams to 24 points a game, they've allowed mm. 22 and 17 over the last three weeks, 17, 17, 22. If you hold teams to 24 points, sure, that's not great. Maybe average at best. The Bucks are still going to win games with the offense that they have. I think sometimes we get a little over analytical, not analytical, but like we look at something and we're like, why isn't this happening? Like, why aren't they shutting out people? The Bucks defense had like four or five, three and outs last, uh, mm-hmm. in last night's game, which you don't see that much. And sure. You want them to shut the team out every week or get multiple turnovers. It's just not going to happen with this secondary right now, holding a team to 24 points, knowing that the Bucks average over 30 points a game. They scored 28 last night. That's got to be more of the the overall expectation of, hey, right. let's just keep these guys at bay, let our offense do our thing, and we're going to be good to go until mm-hmm. we get all of our, our horses back 
for lack of yeah. a better term. I mean, uh, it's uh, funny too. You know how like one or two things will change everybody's perception of what something was. If the Bucks yeah. decide, hey, we're not going to kneel down. We're going to actually just score a touchdown here. Right. They could score 35 points. Right. It's 35 <laughs> points almost certainly. I think they've not been stopped at all from inside the five or 10 yeah. this season. And so, yeah, it's 35 points. And then then what What does it change for people? You know what I mean? Like just the way that, oh, third, another 30 point before this offense yeah. is great. This offense is rolling. You know, so that's how I look at it. I think they had five scoring drives like that they put together in this game. We're close on a couple others. They bogged down kind of between the 40s and they need to execute better. They had some fourth and one, fourth and two situations. They are working underneath and you kind of got to make every play count when you're looking in those small chunks. That's why I think it's hard. It's going to be hard for teams to, unless they get the Eagles to stop what they're doing, you know, like Dallas ran the ball so well, they got the Eagles to kind of stop what they were doing. I think in that game, um, yeah. it's going to be hard to like put up 40 some points on the, just because of how they play. It takes so long to score on them and you have to string together so many plays. So yeah. as soon as you get a Donovan Smith penalty, or as soon as you get a Leonard Fournette, you know, one yard rush on first down, and then you get six yards on now you're in third and three. If you, if you miss it all, you know, it's so you put yourself in a lot of short yardage situations and the Bucks didn't always finish those or, or didn't go for it on fourth and one, a couple times, fourth and two, fourth and three. So, then they did, and they didn't execute that play either. Um, so, yeah, things like that need to be cleaner for sure. Um, but I don't think this was like a horrible offensive performance or anything just no, because they didn't get a lot of the big plays we're used to seeing. And the run game was great too. Loving the run game lately, I believe. It, I'd say it was good enough. I, it, there were a couple good runs, but I did feel like they, if they had run the ball mu- like better. like really- Well, they kind of went away from the run on that. The one drive, yeah. That, that they right. Right. Yeah, and it was like, well, the run game was working so well. Why, why did you go from there? I also would have been fine. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty and everything. I would have been okay if they tried to run it on fourth and two. I thought for a moment because Gio it was Bernard a fourth and three wasn't it? it was fourth and three. yeah, fourth and three. But I, yeah, Gio Bernard obviously lined out outside, and then he came into the backfield. It crossed my mind. I'm like, are we getting a Gio Bernard draw play here? Draw like, play. All right, sign me up. I'm I'm down with that. They obviously didn't. Um. But Aaron's has talked a lot about, you know, we want to get out to a lead and then we're going to run the ball in the second half and, and run out the clock. And that was a prime opportunity to do that. And they didn't necessarily. But overall, I mean, Leonard Fournette averaging over four yards per carry. He's doing everything in the offense for this team. Um, outside of the injuries, I don't really think there's too many concerns about this team. Yeah. Hey, if you like hearing us get into some of the nitty gritty on this team, including where some concerns could be in upcoming weeks when they play some better teams down the road, you could check us out on Spotify Greenroom, Pewter Report uh, on Spotify Greenroom. You can follow us there, but download on the App Store and get it on Google Play. You can join the conversations, a social audio app. You can talk about music, sports, and culture. You get the opportunity to take the mic and give you your thoughts and your opinions on these things. You can jump into rooms that are related to your interests and uh, and have at it. Dude. Give your thoughts and opinions. And so follow Pewter Report. You'll get the invites when we go live on Spotify Greenroom. And uh, you can check us out on there and make sure uh, we'll, we'll, we should follow you back if you give us a follow on there. Give us a shout on there, too. So check out Spotify Greenroom for more uh, of that type of content. Uh, Matt, this game uh, marks the beginning, well, part of an interesting trend. The Eagles, it's its funny, they actually were one of the better passing attacks statistically that the Bucks were going to face over this month Ooh. that started with Miami 
and worked its way down to the bye week. Basically, they were slated to. If there's ever time to miss as many DBs and defensive players as they're missing, they're they were slated to to play some of the worst passing attacks in the NFL. Miami currently, and I know they're a game behind the Bucks now because they haven't played this week. But in five games, Miami just topped a thousand yards passing last week. So. Not not great. Just, again, and they were okay in that one. Bucks were okay, but not great in that game either. So that's where Miami was at going into the game. Philadelphia was actually way up there. I think they were like twelfth in passing offense. Now you've got a back to back two weeks where you're facing the worst passing offenses statistically, but in terms of the amount of passing yards that they've thrown for this season, that you know, not necessarily efficiency. The Saints, for example, are like fourteen of fifteen in the red zone, like something insane, yeah. like unsustainably insane, which is why I think the Saints are kind of primed for some regression offensively because they are just living right now off the few red zone opportunities they've gotten this year. They haven't even been there that much. They're scoring the percentage of drives the Saints have scored on this season, Matt. What did I say it was the other day? Like twenty seventh in the NFL. They're not was, scoring on yeah, very many drives, but every time they get good. down there, they're getting touchdowns. Like. They're just cashing in every time right now. I just, I don't see that as sustainable. The play calling is very good, but red zone is always a little bit more fickle than that, even amongst the best teams. They're at like 93% right now. So I think they're due for some regression. Outside of that, though, the Saints have only thrown for 904 yards this season. I know. That's unbelievable. And they won't get they're, that this that's week. That's not even worse. Not the Bears are worse. The Bears have thrown for 728 yards. That was like week one for Brady. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable <laughs> to me. So these guys are just, and both are not even completing sixty-one percent of their passes right now. The Bears have obviously split quarterback work. Uh, it's been almost all. It's been all James Winston, other than a few Taysom Hill passes here and there for the Saints. But like I said, he's been great in the red zone. I just don't know how sustainable that is. Everywhere else in the field, it's been pretty miserable for both of these teams throwing the football this year. So that's, I mean, just in terms of comparison for people. The Bucs, I know, like I said, they have a game on them. They're over 2,000 yards passing this season. And you have the Saints and the Bears not even hitting 1,000. The Bears aren't even close. Like, they probably won't hit 1,000 after <laughs> this week's game. They're going to go the first six weeks of the season without 1,000 passing yards. So if there were ever a time to be missing corners, it's probably these two matchups. The passing attacks for both of these teams have not unlocked yet whatsoever. Does that happen next week? Does it happen going against the Bucs and all the injuries they have? Maybe we'll see, but on paper some, it looks good. Some people say that the box defense, just the way it's designed with allowing the underneath throws and everything, that uh, they let uh, subpar quarterbacks look like some of the best quarterbacks in the league when they play against the box defense. <laughs> I'm not true. saying I, uh, <laughs> I think there's a little, uh, a little truth to that. I'm not going to say like a hundred percent that they do, but you know, timing is everything. Um, with the way that the whole secondary is hurt right now, sometimes you catch a break, and I think the Bucks are really getting that in in this situation, especially with the Bears too. Their their starting running yeah. back had a knee injury, and he yeah. he was doing Montgomery, yeah. yeah, Montgomery He'll was doing out. very well. So that's mm-hmm. going to help out the Bucks too, not having to go up against him, and it hurts the Bears even more. With all right, well now you really have to throw the ball down the field. It's not going to be the case. I also think, too, you got to factor in the Bucs are going to have, uh, sure, they have the weekend off, but all of that rest and more preparation, mm-hmm. I think, is only going to help this secondary when, I mean, everyone knows, hey, we got to help out the secondary, all right? It's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, not pass rush on, the pass rush on Sunday isn't going to be like, what? <laughs> like, what's, what's yeah. going on here? You guys so, uh, shredded back there? <laughs> 
I am curious, though, um, again, because they're playing a, a mobile quarterback. Will we see the Bucks do what they did last night and not really send too many blitzes? Or do they say, all right, this is a rookie guy. Uh, he don't he doesn't even know what's coming and just keep mm-hmm. sending Devin White and whoever's playing in that yeah. game. I'm if I'm wondering yeah. if I'm wondering if they'll go back to, you know, what, what they've been doing all season. One last thing I want to say about the Bucks Bears. They have this weird thing going on. Now it's different players and everything, but it seems like every time the Bucks go to Chicago lately, bad things happen. And then every time the Bears come to Tampa and Raymond James Stadium, the the Bucks absolutely just destroy them. So hmm. if that trend continues, should be good things. The, the Trubisky Bucks. game was in Chicago. Yes, in Chicago years. Yeah, okay. and then obviously last year's that game was, was the Ryan Fitzpatrick. Crazy last hurrah mm-hmm. before well james had before just the, came back but they right. stuck they stuck with fits and then right obviously last season yeah uh i'm i'm fascinated for the bears matchup but i don't i don't i would be stunned if the bucks lose that game i would be uh we'll see no, how they I play agree. against green bay maybe they change my mind but um yeah and then the saints game is going to be tough just because saints defensively i i still don't i think that's one hurdle byron Luffwich and bruce Arians still have to get over even after the Agreed. playoff game I don't think that offense was necessarily humming. They benefited from a lot of short fields, turnovers, things like that. So I'm fascinated for that game. But yeah, I mean, no question. The Bucs should be six and one going into that game. They should be, in my opinion, they're the better better team in both their next two games. Should be seven and one uh, going into their bye week. And so they're still in a good position despite all the injuries. I think I give them a lot of credit for doing what they need to do. And here's the other thing, Matt. Since Bruce, since uh, Tom Brady took over as quarterback of this team, have they really lost to a bad football team uh, other than – I mean, the Bears made the playoffs even though they weren't good, but they <laughs> lost to that Bears team. What, they uh, lost to the Saints twice in the regular season, the Rams, the Chiefs. I mean, they haven't lost to anybody they were supposed to lose to other than that correct. Bears game probably. So, and same thing this year. I mean, sometimes a good team gets you, but I, I think that's the one thing with Brady, man. How many times over the years – it might have been closer than it should have been in a game here or there. How many times over the years did he lose in New England to a team that was – Definitely were. I mean, just didn't happen very often. Someone just said it in the chats. It was essentially Miami. Yeah, Miami of even when even when the even when the, he, even, when, even when the Jets beat the Patriots, the Jets were at least good defensively at the yeah. time with Rex Ryan. So right. yeah, rarely ever happens. I mean, I'm. You look at the schedule, and sure, the the Saints game could definitely be a challenge for everything you just laid out. Where mm-hmm. the offense, that same Saints defense is still there, and the offense obviously has to uh to get through that i'm looking at that buffalo game it's like all right this is mm-hmm. the next game where maybe the bucks could lose and it's a home game for them it's crazy to think that what a time we live in for the yeah bucks. i mean you're definitely talking about some of the worst passing attacks in the league throughout the rest of their schedule even as you get yeah, to Washington. like after the after the bye you got washington right and the giants are playing well uh, well i they're not playing well as a team their defense has been terrible but Daniel Jones is actually playing better than I've ever seen him play before. So we'll see if that can continue. Yeah. But yeah, there, there aren't a lot of challenges when you look at the schedule that way, for sure. Uh, speaking of challenges, Matt, I was uh, challenged a little bit at underdog fantasy this week because <laughs> I had Chris Godwin over five and a half receptions on pickums, And uh, oh, he got man. five in the first half and none in the second half. Yeah, uh, that's Sanders with 23 receiving yards. I didn't or 24. I didn't feel like that was that much to ask for, considering that Miles Gaskin had just torched the box and they didn't have Levante David and, Nope, he couldn't get there. So uh, I lost my uh, my pick, my four pick four that I had going with underdog fantasy. But 
I still might play again this weekend because it's fun, uh, man. The game within fun. the game. <laughs> That's right. You can talk about these pick 'em games. If you go over to Underdog Fantasy, you can check them out on Underdog. You can select over or under on player stat lines, get a pick two correct, and you can triple your money, as I did the other day. Now, get a pick five correct, and you win 20 times the amount of money you enter with. It's simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, download their app, sign up with the code Pewter, P E W T E R, and build a pick 'em slip in seconds. They're going to give you a free $10 when you sign up and make your first deposit. So download the Underdog Fantasy app, sign up with the code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your free $10 today. And by the way, spread the word about it too. Tell people, hey, this is a great opportunity. Get them out there and give them that promo code. It helps us out and helps them be able to win some money too, which is always a good thing. So we appreciate that. We got a $10 super chat down here from our guy, Eric Collison. We appreciate it, Eric. Eric, as always. Most of the talk on the secondary, anyone that is worth trading, trading for, considering most of our secondary is up for contract or due next year. Also, when does Rojo get traded? Miss you guys. Uh, miss you too, Eric. Thank you for the $10 super chat. Appreciate that. Um, okay, so let's just talk real quick on the secondary. Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting have another year for them, uh, another year for Mike Edwards, two more years for, two more years for Antoine Winfield Jr. after yeah. this one. So those guys are all back. Next year, um, you're looking at Carlton Davis and Jordan Whitehead. Uh, no reason to do anything with Whitehead right now. Uh, and Carlton Davis is going to be a guy that the Bucks probably want to get back. We'll see if we can get him yeah. back healthy. Uh, that's going to be key, I think. But I don't know. Right now, I, I don't think that they're going to do anything. We'll see if somebody becomes available before the – when is the trade deadline? I don't even know if I know. Uh, it's got to be like – second week of november something like that yeah. or maybe maybe first week of november which the bucks right. would have the buy which almost that's the best time to assess if yeah. you need a trade or not i think the issue too is a lot of times like you don't know the conversations that other gms around the league are having mm-hmm. where uh, unless Rappaport or Schefter comes out with a report like oh this txyz is considering trading this cornerback or this cornerback has requested a trade or release or whatever it's tough to be like oh yeah this this trade would work out just throw him a fifth round pick it's not it's not really as simple as that and then to answer the the ronald jones part the bucks i still think at one point or another are going to need ronald jones whether it's leonard fournette gets hurt whether things aren't just going well for a game with leonard so ronald jones gets a couple of more snaps and turns into the good Ronald Jones that we've seen. Um, depth is so important as we're learning with everyone so banged up in the secondary. And it's like, if you trade Ronald Jones, sure, you still have Gio Bernard, but he's mostly a two-minute drill and um, third down type of guy. So then your other backup running back is Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, obviously, Rojo, I don't think, would be happy with the amount of playing time that he's getting. I just think down the road, and it could be, Eight weeks from now, I feel like there is going to be a situation where he could still really come up big for this team. Might not happen today or tomorrow, but depth is so important as we're learning, and I don't think the Bucs can get away with um, losing a, a guy like that right now. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I, I don't think the Bucs are going to trade anybody. I don't think they're going to trade for anybody. That's my my opinion on it. Could they? Maybe sure. they could, um, but I think Carl Davis is going to be back. I, I mean, I think that they've 
They know that at least. When he'll be back, I don't know. But I think he'll be back, and I think you'll also see Sean Murphy Bunting come back at some point, even if it's closer to the end of the regular season or you know, last four or five weeks or the Bills game or whatever, you know, something like that. Um, to me, that's in the cards for this team and trading for somebody, especially someone significant. I mean, I guess you could see like what today Zach Ertz got traded. <laughs> that cracked right, up, and so. exactly like no one was thinking, oh, yeah, <laughs> Zach Ertz. What are like what are the Eagles doing? They played Zach know. Ertz last night, fully planning. They said after you know that they talked last well, week. Well, he scored a touchdown, so be, they could probably get yeah. more. Maybe they got a what did he get a fifth round? Maybe it was a sixth fifth round. Rounder and Tay Gowan, a, yeah. A fifth round so quarter. maybe originally they were only going to get a sixth round back, and then Zach Ertz scores a touchdown. Like, hey, it was no. a fifth. So <laughs> no, <laughs> all they did was risk him to injury, risk losing out on the trade, being stuck with him, paying him all the rest of his money that they obviously want to move on from. It just made yeah. absolutely no sense at all. But also, I thought it was hilarious that, you know, if he hadn't said that, I was going to be like, you know, they just took one look at Pierre Desir locking him up late in the game for six yeah. halves, and they said, we're going to get what we can for you, buddy. And I just think that uh, I don't know that he's even got anything left but arizona adds something uh, adds a piece there but you know maybe somebody like that uh development isn't it crazy like too it's like so. two seasons ago outside of you know kelsey and kittle from a fantasy football situation was like one of the best tight ends in fantasy mm-hmm. football and then yeah. like two years later he's barely it's scratching rosters yeah yeah it's true it's uh He's not the same guy for sure. Injuries have caught up with him. He was never a great athlete, but yeah, injuries have caught up with him and affected him uh, for sure. Um, Damien wants to talk about regular season Lenny. But before we do that, and I do want to talk about Leonard Fournette a little bit before we wrap up the show, I want to hear about our friends over at Pin Chasers, Matt, and what they're doing because I know there's a Peter Report bowling league coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. First of all, Pin Chasers, the owner, Anthony, is a huge Bucks fan. I've spoken with him a lot about um, just he's got a great knowledge of football. Uh, he went to the U, so uh, he's a D Delaney guy. <laughs> I'm sure he's happy with how D Delaney played. But uh, they've been in business for over 60 years. They are a family-owned business. Multiple locations uh, on Armenia. That's where the bowling league is going to be uh, in Midtown and over in Zephyr Hills as well, too. The bowling league, I'll get to the bowling league in a second. The pin chases in general, it is a great event to go with your family, to go with your friends on a night out. They have different special events going on almost every single night. Uh, Tuesday night, pizza bowl, all you can eat pizza after 9 p.m. for $11.99. All you can bowl on Thursdays for the same price of $11.99, and you could also get $1 Miller Lights. So you can go there, watch Thursday night football, enjoy a Bucks victory, such as last night. So many different events going on. Um, they got a great grill, the 10-pin grill, where they serve breakfast food, not just for breakfast, but at any time, afternoon and night, which is great. And then, yes, we have the Peter Report Bowling League coming back. Change of schedule, move to October 27th. It's on Wednesdays now. Wednesdays at 630 it's going to be a great time. I definitely encourage everyone to come out. You can come with a team. You can come as an individual player. We'll, we'll put you on a team. All skill levels are encouraged because there is a, um, like in golf, There's a, you got a, a handicap. So if you're playing against someone who's really good, uh, it helps even out the playing field. So, for example, you'll bowl a game, and then you'll get maybe 50 pins per game. So if you're playing against a great bowler, 
it levels everything out. It's not like you're just going to get dominated. You can end up winning thanks to the um, the bowling handicap that they'll give you. So it's 630. Uh, we're going to be giving away a lot of great things. We're going to give free T-shirts to some of the new signups that joined the league. We'll be Ooh. doing a, uh, a raffle giveaway with fun little different prizes. Peter Fort's always got a lot of fun things to give away. So, again, that's October 27th on Wednesdays at the Pin Chasers on Armenia. It's right down the block from the Bucks facility. It's going to be an awesome time. Make sure to uh, – you can email me at mattapeterreport.com if you want to join the league, or yeah. we got a sign-up sheet as well, or you could DM us. Just let us know either way you want. And go to pinchasers.net to um, reserve a lane or book a party there. So pinchasers. I don't mean to be a distraction, but these lights, do you see them? These little reflections on my face? Yeah, the sun. Yeah, I'm trying to like eat them right now. Okay. (laughs) Okay, buddy. All right. All right. (laughs) I mean, what are you? Uh, They're like, look at them. I don't even know where they're coming from because I have the window shade up. They're like. Are Are they peeking through the blinds? I don't know. I, I don't really know how because I have the blinds like actually like I can adjust them like up or down and I haven't gone up. So the light wouldn't even be maybe it's a sign from God. Maybe it's like maybe it's like a shovel. I bet they're working out there. I bet there's like a metal pole and it's reflecting up off the metal pole through the like bottom of the shade. That's crazy. OK, no, huh. things you don't plan for in the pod. Anyway, let's talk about Leonard Fournette. Speaking of unexpected things, Leonard Fournette going off this season, Matt, has been last year. I said last year, Jordan Whitehead was that guy for me. Like I didn't expect Jordan Whitehead to ball. And I felt like he, he balled last year. He'd be real yeah. well after the first couple weeks of the season. So talking him up and hyping him. This year, I didn't see this coming from Leonard. I didn't see the, the production, but also the, him seizing the role. But I also didn't see the way that it happened. I mean, yeah, Rojo fell on his face, and that was part of it. But Leonard's taking the opportunity, and he's actually been good. Where last year, He's was literally like, running with it. Which one of these guys hurts you less? Yeah, now he's actually like literally running away with the job. And we haven't really seen that since Arians has been in Tampa Bay, right? Where like he actually is like, no, this guy's the feature guy. I mean, even if he won't say it, it's it's clear. Yeah, it's true. it's a clear fact at this point. He got me 32 points in fantasy football last night with those two touchdowns. And everything he's doing in the run game uh, is a very fine job. I love what he's doing in the passing game. We've all talked about for years, Brady, he needs that, you know, that running back that he throws to. And we all thought Giovanni Bernard was going to be that guy. And he Gio be. Bernard, yes, he, you know, he's playing a role as well, too. But the things that all season Lenny, Thursday night Lenny, truck stick Lenny, all purpose Lenny are doing, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to watch. It's obviously super beneficial to the team. He's breaking ankles, he's trucking over guys. He's Carrying two defenders to get a first down. There is momentum that comes when Leonard Fournette makes a big play. Maybe even more than if Chris Godwin or Mike Evans does something. Because there's something, when you bring that physicality to today's modern-day NFL, when there is so little physicality, when Truck Stick Lenny is barreling through, running over defenders to get over that yard marker for a first down, it brings attitude and swagger and everything else with it to a team that's already Super Bowl champions. The Celsius is hitting if you, if you can't tell. <laughs> hey, and Celsius works. Yeah, it's 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 just it's awesome to see yeah. the Bucks needed this from him. He's stepping up. He's going to earn himself a contract somewhere next season. I'm not necessarily going to say it's with the Bucks, but yeah. It's awesome. Might it's be. really awesome to see for Leonard Fournette. It's yeah. great to see someone progress in their career yeah. when things yeah. were down against them and now they bounce back up onto the other side. Especially the personal side of it. I think it's 
the yes. personal story side of it's really cool with him. So it is good. It's great to see. Uh, no question about it for Lenny. Uh, he's, he's done some some really good things. Tim Ben, he's playing at a really high level right now. Bruce even said, yeah, he's like, and Bruce usually goes both ways, right? You ask him, oh, how do you think Jamel Dean's played? Well, he had the one this, but he's done this well. And he yeah. was just like, Lenny's playing awesome right now. Like he was like, he's turning There's into no every denying down it. back for us all. All three phases, he's, he's he's done a really good job. But the pass protection stuff, I mean, he was good again the other day in pass protection. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's a real asset to the three team phase, right now. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a guy they were going to have to overcome this year, basically, when, when he was out there. And he's still, I, I will say this, and I'm going to pull the Arians here and go both ways, because he's still unbelievably inconsistent as a pure runner. He's gotten to the point where he's he actually- He still does the little uh, tap I mean, dance in a little bit. He had the clearest lane of all time yeah. in this game against the Light Eagles box. He literally just came to a full stop in the hole because a linebacker was coming like out of his peripheral. Just outrun the guy, mash the gas. Yeah. Luckily, Marpet got there, so he blocked the guy anyway. But it was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just He's still got like a nine-yard game But then he then he goes and he makes that play where they were- inside the 10 and he cut it out to the outside he got tackled at the one and they scored not long after but i think you got to take the good and the bad with him yeah yeah he, as a runner he's, he's, he's very consistent i can't <laughs> believe the other aspects of his game have really developed nicely that's the biggest surprise to me i don't think the runner stuff is ever going to change he kind of is who he is there but the fact that he's been able to be a pass catcher who catches the ball <sighs> All the Knock time, wood, yeah. Consistently so far this year, um, I think he has three drops that still might lead the team. But they were early in the year for the most part; like they were not a a big negative for the for the year. Um, and I, I think that's a real gift. And then also the fact that he's literally made people miss and broken tackles in the open field. The Bucks are, I think, still first or second in the in the in the league in teams of yards after catch this season. That would have been a joke a year ago. Like that, but. <laughs> That's where they're at because of Leonard and OJ Howard improving in that way. Godwin's backed himself. Antonio Brown in the offense. He's been really effective in that way. Even Evans will scrap and fight for a yard or two here and there. People so. were concerned, but that Mike Evans didn't have a, a a good game last night. Meanwhile, he went for over a hundred yards and, oh <laughs> and two touchdowns. The week I actually before. didn't see that, but I believe you. People literally, if Mike Evans, oh, what what are we gonna do? He only had. 27 yards. I mean, yeah. like, come on. He's the only like caught almost and, every pass that, you yeah. know, <laughs> that was said, they said after week one and he went off and had 75 plus. By the way, Mike Evans leads games. the team in receiving yards. Yeah, so it's not yeah. a problem. You know, and it's so funny. Some of the comments you see, I literally saw a comment today to Greg Allman that said we should trade Chris Godwin. I think if we're not going to throw <laughs> to him more than this, I was like, <laughs> What are we talking about? I mean, I would be okay with seeing Tyler Johnson play a little bit less so AB could get over 50% of the yeah. snaps. But can we just talk about AB? 49% of the snaps he plays, and he gets 13 targets and nine catches. I mean, yeah, well, he had a bit of an ankle issue yesterday. So maybe yeah, that's through the foot or whatever. But no, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I mean, 13 targets. You only played, I know, you barely played enough snaps, especially not all those are even. They're not all even passing plays that he's in for. He had a, another good run block the other day. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, all right, all right, AB. All right. This is, get, that's get all the about, mix. Yeah, developments you didn't see happening. It's crazy. All right, well, let's not get out of the show before we get the opportunity to tell our friends about living golf life. You see Matt and I, wait, I'm coming back to us. You see us rocking the hat. That's right. Doing the backwards action. I got it forward. Matt's yeah. got it back so you can you see, see both it. sides. Right there. Yeah, we did this on purpose so you could. 
you could see how it was modeled and obviously oh, yeah. it might not look as good on people who aren't as good looking as Matt and I, but still <laughs> living golf life's got a lot of cool stuff that people should check out. Absolutely. Living golf life. While it's a golf brand, it's also a lifestyle brand. It's about going out in the course, no matter how good or bad you play. The thing you enjoy the most is that you're out there with your friends, your family, having a good time, enjoying being outdoors and just loving the game overall. They have awesome hats, as you just saw with us. Very extremely comfortable polos that can be worn in essentially any situation. Mm. Living Golf Life is a very new company. It started in January of this of this year. Started by uh, two guys that are awesome. They are um, have military backgrounds and and first responders. So we're especially thankful for that. Uh, along with the hats and polos, they got koozies and glass mugs, which I have right now, which I'll show in a second once I am mm. back on the screen. On. But make sure you go to livinggolflife.com. Check out all their apparel. This is the glass mug that I got right here. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see it says Golf Life right there. Use it on Sunday when you're watching all the other football. Or Saturday, there's college football as well, too. But go to livinggolflife.com. Check out all their apparel and their swag. Uh, you won't be disappointed for sure. I can guarantee that. Get a glass mug as well, too. And follow them on Instagram because they do a ton of giveaways and things like that. Um, their Instagram is at livinggolflife. They'll do things. They'll post a picture and say, caption this. You come up with the best caption. You'll win a, a free item. So check them out. Living Golf Life. It's a, it's an awesome website. And um, if you love to golf, which if you live in Florida, there's probably a good chance you do. Um, it's great apparel to have. Yeah. Great gifts and great stuff to ask for is for gifts as well. Yes. I'll, All right. I'll we, look ahead. we look ahead here for a second. Uh, we've we've done a little bit of that on this show, but we look ahead and we see, you know, the upcoming slate for the Bucks. Uh, the Bears obviously going to be Sunday 425 or 405 or something like that kick on, yeah. on, on October 24th. Then on Halloween against the Saints, same time, I believe. I think it's the same time the next week. And then you've got the bye week. And then you've got Washington, the Giants, the Colts. They're struggling right now. My goodness. Giving they up almost that beat Baltimore, Baltimore, though. I know. Giving up that I had the Ravens brutal. in my survival league, so I was goodness. freaking. I'm like, this oh, game is gone. Bomb. And then Clayus Campbell blocks the kick. Yeah. And yeah that was insane. Game, that was awesome. Uh, Atlanta, Buffalo, Saints, Panthers, Jets, Panthers. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the Panthers. Like, are they yeah. going to keep it up? They lost two in a row now. They it'll be two. It'll be two months from now. So you know, what right. type of Panthers team do we got yeah. going on here? Does Sam Darnold? improve yeah. does he regress what's the status of um christian mccaffrey because yeah. at yeah. this point as he's an insanely talented player we all know that but never at this point, he, gets, backs, he, gets, he gets injured every single season never he never was injured before that right like got paid <laughs> yeah barkley you draft him high boom out all it the sucks time. never it, i feel him, bad man. for running backs because there's yeah. a lot of great players but it, it makes no sense to pay them, but it's nope. you, they still got to make a living. So can't do it. Yeah, frustrating. all right. Well, we this was great uh, to do on a Friday uh, to get everybody in here. So we do appreciate y'all. Yeah. This was great. Subscribe to Peter Report TV if you haven't subscribed to Peter Report, and you'll get notified when our podcasts go live. You'll be able to jump in for all these shows. You won't miss any of our great Bucks content. We'll be back next week on Monday. We'll be back at 4 p.m. on Monday, ready to break things down. We're going to take a couple days. We might actually get some sleep tonight. Um, yep. <laughs> rest and recuperate. Take a little mini buy ourselves. Nah, I'm just kidding. If you go over to PeterReport.com, <laughs> you'll see tons of great content. We've got probably eight or nine articles up there from today 
on things that were happening in the game or things that were said in the pressers, things of that nature. So make sure you check all that up. Stay abreast of everything going on with your bucks. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Hi, Pop-Pop. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody. Out.